All right, so let's learn. So, in the beginning of the parasha, parasha's Pekude, so after discussing the mitzvahs, the mitzvah building the Mishkan, what uh, what needed to be done, and then the Targ goes on with parasha's Fiyakel, actually building the Mishkan, all the details of Chul, and so then parasha's Pekude picks off from there, and the Torah takes an accounting of the materials that were used. So the Pasuk says, Ela Pekude have Mishkan, Mishkan Ha'edus, this is the accounting of the Mishkan, the Mishkan of Edus, of testimony, Asher Pukalpi Moshe, that was uh, counted by Moshe Rabbeinu. And the Torah goes on to then, then give the sum total of all the gold, all the silver, all the, uh, all the Nechayshes, all the, uh, the bronze that was all gathered together, the copper that was all gathered together, uh, to build the Mishkan, it takes an accounting. All right, so there's a number of questions. First of all, one uh, obvious question that the Mepharshim deal with is why is this necessary to take an accounting? Okay, whatever. They donated enough gold to make the Mishkan, enough silver, enough uh, enough enough uh, What's the tachlis of taking a sum total? The, the sum amount was this and this exact uh, weight of gold, this amount of silver. Why is it bechal necessary to take an accounting? That's question number one. Another question the Mepharshim may ask. Rashi already deals with this. Is the uh, the double lashon of the pasuk? The pasuk seems to be a little bit repetitive. It says Ela pekude hamishkan. This is the accounting, the, the the sum total of the mishkan. And what is the mishkan? Mishkan heidus, the the mishkan, the tabernacle of testimony. So it says the word mishkan twice. So Rashi is bothered by that. Why does it have to say the word mishkan twice? So Rashi says like this. Rashi says shnei It says the word mishkan twice. Remez lemikdash. This is a hint to the two batei mikdash that the Jewish people had. Shenis mashkein b'shnei churbanin al v'senish Why? How is the? How are the two batei mikdash um, hinted with the word mishkan over here? It says Rashi because the word mishkan also is connected with the word mashkin, which means a uh, a uh, a mashkin that you take from a person that borrows money from you. So you take a a mashkin, uh, which we call it. Uh, a uh, a collateral from the person to make sure the person uh, doesn't uh, you know skip the country or whatever. So the word mashkin is uh, the word mishkan is connected to mashkin, and so this is a hint to the to the base to the two bati mikdash that were destroyed, that were sort of taken back by Hashem. Kiviachal is like Hashem is taking uh, a mashkin from us, so Hashem took away the bati mikdash from us, and that's the remez of the two words mishkan over here. So a number of questions. Uh, first of all, if the Torah wants to hint to the Beis HaMikdash with this Pasuk, then why is Adafka hinting to the Beis HaMikdash when the Batei Mikdash are being destroyed? In other words, we know the Gemara says, for example, that the word Mishkan and Mikdash are kind of interchangeable. When the Torah says the commandment of building a Mishkan, it uses the language of Mikdash. Asuli Mikdash And as the Gemara in Erev and other places puts it, Mishkan ikri mikdash, mishkan, mikdash ikri mishkan, they're interchangeable. So uh, the truth is, the, the fact that it says the word mishkan, mishkan twice, that already is a hint to the two bet the mikdash. You don't have to go any further. The word mishkan could be a, a reference to Beis mikdash as well. But that's not enough. That's not enough. We're not just referencing the Beis mikdash. We're referencing the destruction of the Beis mikdash, and, referen- and the destruction of the Beis mikdash is being hinted to with the word Mishkan, because the word Mishkan is connected with the word Mashkin, of taking a uh, collateral. So the question is, why specifically over here, in this context of taking a, an accounting of, and a sum total of the whole Mishkan, why are we hinting to the destruction of the Beis mikdash of all things? And why is the destruction of the Beis mikdash being described 
being hinted to Dafka with the word Mishkan in the way that Mishkan means Mashkin. It's a, it's a funny remiss. That needs explanation Bechlal. Another question that we could think of, we know at the end of the parsha, so after the whole thing is taken care of, the Mishkan is built, the Big Dekahan, the Big Dekuna are, are made, everything is good to go, and the Torah even hints to the process of the Miluyim, of the Karbanis of dedication that were brought for seven days, and eight, really eight days in total, before the Mishkan was uh, fully, fully dedicated. And it says in Pasuk that on the Rishchidosh Nisan, which was the eighth day of the Miluyim, Hashem says to Meishu Rabbeinu, you know, get everything ready, you know, we're going to, you know, finalize the dedication process, and then afterwards it says, after everything is mamish complete, and the Mishkan is dedicated, and everything's good to go, so the Pasuk ends off the Parsha, towards the end it says, Vaychas Ananas Oil Maid, that Baruch Hashem, now Hashem's presence came to the Oil Maid, the Mishkan was fully, not just built physically, but it was spiritually built through the process of the Miluyim, of the dedicative uh, Karbanas, and Hashem's glory fills the Mishkan, and Moshe Rabbeinu was, it was so strong, the covet of Hashem was so, was so intense, that Moshe Rabbeinu was unable to enter the oil Mayed because Hashem's presence was so strong. And that's pretty much how the, how the parsha ends off. This is like the culmination of the building of the Mishkan. You want to see like it's all leading to this point of Moshe Rabbeinu being unable to enter. And so the question we have to think about is that seems to be a little bit uh, anticlimactic. I mean, the whole purpose of Mishkan is, yes, to be a place of divine presence, for sure, where the Shechin HaKtoysheh and the covet of Hashem should be very, very strong, but not, but not inaccessible. I mean, the whole point of Mishkan is to go in there and to do Avaidah. But yet the, 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 the climax of this whole inning of building Mishkan comes to a point where Moshe Rabbeinu is unable to go in. It seems a little bit counterproductive and, uh, and the opposite of what the Mishkan really is about, which is about going in and doing Avaida. So why would the Mishkan be, why would the, it all lead to this moment where Moshe Rabbeinu is now unable to go in? It seems a little bit strange. Another question is that we also know that beginnings and ends are bound to each other, right? We have this principle from the Sefi Tzir already, that ends and beginnings are bound to each other. And so the beginning, the end of, 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 of Sefer Shemais, Parshish Bekudeh, ends with that Nakuda of Moshe Rabbeinu being unable to go into the Mishkan. The Mishkan is finally built, and it's plugged in, you know, and Moshe Rabbeinu is unable to go in. And the beginning of Sefer Shemais starts with the Jewish people descending into Mitzrayim, right? Eil Shemais B'nei Yisrael Habayi Mitzrayim. So the question is, what exactly is the connection between the end of Sefer Shemais and the beginning of Sefer Shemais in that way? It must be that one is completing the other, one's enhancing the other, one's giving explanation to the other. So what are these two nakudas of Moshe Rabbeinu being unable to go into the Mishkan and Kala Yisrael, and Kala Yisrael going into Mitzrayim? What do these two things have to do with each other? Okay, so those are questions related to the parish. Now we also know that we're, as Hashem Yisbarach, getting ready for Purim. So a couple, a couple nakudas when it comes to Purim as well to think about. The Gemara tells us in Megillah, a klal, the Gemara says, that if a person quotes a certain uh, piece of information and you quote it in the name of the person that originally said it, it's a skula to bring geula to the world. It brings redemption to the world. And the Gemara, the Gemara Megillah quotes the source for this. is from the story of Purim, that Esther Malka tells Achashverish about the plot of Bixon Viserish. But she doesn't say it on her own. She says it in the name of Mordechai, that Mordechai told her that he found out about Bixen Viserish. And because of that, now Achashverish, in the back of his mind, feels indebted and happy with Mordechai. 
which eventually leads to Haman's downfall. So you see that when you say something in the name of someone else, like Mordechai said in the name of Mordechai, about the Bixen Viserash, so it brings redemption to the world. Now, two points. First of all, okay, I mean, it happened to work like that in the Purim story, but the Gemara is saying it as a klal, that quoting something in the name of someone else is already a kayach to bring gula. So the question is, why is that? What is it about saying something in the name of someone else that brings gula to the world? And the fact that that's how it worked out with Purim, clearly there's something about Purim that's related to this idea in particular. Although this idea of saying something in the name of someone else, in the name that, you know, connecting it back to where it comes from, the statement, obviously is something that brings gula on a general level, but specifically it must be a Purim dika gula. So the question is, what is that, what is that idea of Aymer Darashem Amrai? How is it related specifically to the Indian of Purim? <clears throat> Another question when it comes to Purim is like this. I mean, there's a principle that we have from Rav Tzaddik, Tzaddik always tells us you know, there's nothing that's a coincidence, you know, the whole Yontif of Purim is celebrating that idea that there's no such thing as coincidence, you know. And so Tzaddik says, whenever you find in Shas certain halachas that are talked about, you always have to pay attention to what Mesecht it's in, and even specifically what Parak it's in, but especially what Mesecht it's in. It's not going to be random. So here's the question. Where are the halachas of Beis HaKnesis and Beis HaMedrash found? What Mesechta? So you know it's found in Mesechus Megillah. In Perak Bnei it's found in Mesechus Megillah. The halachas of Beis HaKnesis and Beis HaMedrash is found in Mesechus Megillah. So the question is, what's the Hashgach HaPratis of that? What is Purim, which is Mesechus Megillah about, what does Purim have to do with the Indian of Ashul, the Indian of Beis HaKnesis and Beis HaMedrash, a Mikdash Ma'at, a Mikdash Ma'at. Now the truth is, we know that Perm is certainly connected to Beis HaMikdash. I've mentioned this many times, uh, specifically, you know, this year, a lot of the shiur that I've been giving about Perm, I, I've been making this point that Beis HaMikdash, second Beis HaMikdash in particular, is connected with Perm. And so every shul is a Mikdash Ma'at, but, 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 but more specifically, to understand at a deeper level, what exactly does the Indian of Perm have to do with the Beis HaKnesis and Beis HaMikdash? It's almost as if the only way to appreciate what the Indian of Mikdash Ma'at is, of what Indian of the Beis HaKnesis and Beis HaMikdash is, the only way to appreciate it is through the lens of Purim. Only with, through, the, through the eyes of Meseches Megillah can one appreciate what a Beis HaKnesis and Beis HaMikdash is. So the question is, how so? Like, what, what is Purim telling us about that? It's, it's hard to find any reference of uh, the Indian of uh, Beis HaKnesis and Beis HaMikdash in the, in the Megillah. So what's the connection between Purim and Beis HaKnesis and Beis HaMikdash? Okay. Those are the questions, Mr. Hashem. We'll uh, you know, try to answer them. Okay, so it's like this. You know, in, in the parsha, I mentioned that there's a uh, the, the Torah references the concept of bringing miluyim, of the carbonus of dedication that were brought to inaugurate the Mishkan. Now, although the Torah in Parshas Bakude only sort of references it in passing, it's not a major discussion. It's, it's talked about more in Parshas Nasa and other places. But uh, it's definitely referenced over here. So there's an interesting machlekes rishayim, Rambam versus Ramban, regarding the whole idea of miluyim. Again, what we do, what we know from Chumash is that the Rabbanu Shalom tells Moshe Rabbeinu that after the Mishkan is built, you have to spend eight days of miluyim, eight days of bringing special karbanis, unique karbanis, in order to dedicate the Mishkan. And we know that the Nasiim brought their karbanis. That's in Parshas Nasai. You know, every every Nasi for each shevet brought. A whole, uh, you know, the same karbanis, but uh, you know, each one for different reasons, whatever it is. But the karbanis of the of the nesim, the karbanis of miluim. So things like this. The Rambam in Sefer Mitzvahs, we know the Ram, you know, we know we have a tradition from Chazal. There are six thirteen mitzvahs. 
although it's not clear in Chazal what the 613 are. So we know that the Rishayin and the Gayim already, uh, we have many uh, different Svarim, many different Sadiqim have listed the 613. And there's Machlokis and there's all different, th- different opinions about what should make the 613 list, what's not in the, in the 613 list. And so the Rambam famously in the Sefer Mitzvahs, he uh, wrote 14 Shrashim. The Rambam came up with 14 basic rules uh, that if you follow those rules, you'll be able to figure out what's 613 and what's not. Now what these rules are, he came up with on his own. And some of these rules other Rishonim agree with, some of these rules other Rishonim disagree with, but these are the rules of the Rambam. So in rule number three, in Sharish Gimel, the Rambam says, this is his idea, that the only mitzvahs that should make the list of 613 is if they are mitzvahs which are forever. Mitzvahs which are forever. In other words, not necessarily do they have to be able to be fulfilled always, but at least they have to be theoretically applicable to all time. But if you have mitzvah, says the Rambam, that were a one-time deal, it was a one-time thing, and it's never going to happen again. It was just a, a one-time mitzvah. So although at the moment it was a mitzvah, but that's not called part of the 613. The 613 tarik mitzvahs are given to us from Maish Rabbeinu, and those tarik mitzvahs are mitzvahs which apply forever. So, uh, for example, I mean, you know, uh, uh, there are certain mitzvahs which we might not be able to do because of extenuating circumstances, but theoretically they should be able to be done, right? So there's the mitzvah of uh, lighting the menorah of the Beis HaMikdash every day, every night. Now, we don't have a Beis HaMikdash, so we can't light the menorah, but theoretically we could if we had a Beis HaMikdash. That's cool, the mitzvah, that's forever. But says the Rambam, but for example, let's say when Hashem tells Moshe Rabbeinu, when the man came to the Midbar, that Aaron Akain should take one portion of man, put it in a jar, and keep it with the Aaron, that, that was a one-time deal. It's not an ongoing obligation to constantly gather man every day. That's not an ongoing mitzvah. That was a one-time mitzvah that was given to Aaron at the moment. At that time, yes, Aaron was fulfilling a mitzvah. He would say l'shem yichud, he makes a bracha, whatever. But it's not an ongoing, it's not a forever mitzvah. And that's a mitzvah l'shah. If it's a mitzvah l'shah, that's not counted in Taryag. Now the Ram in the, over there gives a list of many mitzvahs which were only given for that time. So again, for example, the mun, putting the mun in a jar, that was a one-time deal. The Jewish people are told that when you get to Eretz Yisrael, they have to have a whole ceremony of Har Grisman and Har Evil. The Jewish people should go on these mountains and uh, there's a whole collective uh, re-acceptance of the Torah with blessings and curses. Again, a one-time deal. It's not a forever ongoing obligation every year for us to go to Har Grisman and Har Evil. It's a one-time mitzvah. It's not counted in Tariyag. And the Rambam's list of mitzvahs that are similar to that, which are not forever, is Chanukah Samishkan. This specific halacha of bringing uh, inaugural karbonis to dedicate the mishkan, that was a one-time deal when we had to build the mishkan. That's when you had the mitzvah of bringing these karbonis. It's not forever. And so because of that, it doesn't, uh, it doesn't fall under taryag. That's the shita. That's what the Ramam says. It sounds pretty straightforward and pretty simple. Now it happens to be this, this, uh, this concept of the Rambam, that mitzvahs which are not forever, are not counted in Taryag, as far as I know, that's accepted by all the Rishonim and the Ga'inim. The question is just an application. The Ramban, in his com- in his Hasogis, in his like notes against the Rambam over there, says that he definitely, I agree, says the Ramban, to the concept of the Rambam, that mitzvahs which are only for the, for the time being, only temporary one-time deals are not listed in Taryag, true. But says the Ramban, but the mitzvah of Chanukah Samishkan, of bringing inaugural sacrifices to dedicate the Mishkan, that is a forever mitzvah. 
Why is it a forever mitzvah? Lachar, it only happened one time when we built the Mishkan, and that's it. But says the Ramban, that's not really true, because if you look in Tanakh, we find that not only were there inaugural karbanis brought when we built the Mishkan, in Sefer Malachim, when Shlomimach builds the first base of Migdash, also we find inaugural karbanis being brought as well. And when the second base of Migdash was built, with Ezra Cipher in Sefer Ezra, we also find inaugural karbanis being built. So when there's a new Mishkan, when there's a Mishkan, we have inaugural karbanis, we have Miluim. When you have the first base of Migdash, there's Miluim. There's Karbanis of, of dedication, or no girl Karbanis. The second base of Migdash, there's Karbanis. The, the, in Sefer Yechezkel, where Yechezkel Navi prophesizes about the third base of Migdash, over there also lists Karbanis that we'll have to bring when the, uh, when the third base of Migdash is rebuilt to dedicate the third base of Migdash. So says the Ramban, well, one second. If we have, we have a, a, a Chanukah Samishkan, you have a Chanukah Sabayis by the first base of Migdash, you have a Chanukah Sabayis by the second base of Migdash, you have a Chanukah Sabayis by the third base of Migdash, well, you know, if it, if it walks like a duck and quacks like a duck, it's a duck. So if we have this consistent idea of bringing inaugural karbanis with every new temple, then that's then obviously it's an ongoing mitzvah that whenever a new a new temple is built, you have to dedicate it with special karbanis. Now says the Ramban, I agree, says the Ramban, that the karbanis that were brought for the Mishkan and the karbanis that were brought for the first base of Mishkan and the karbanis that were brought for the second and the karbanis which will be brought for the third, if you take a look at them, they're all taka different. So it's not the same karbanis being brought each time, maskin. And that's obviously that for some reason by the Mishkan, Hashem says it's these karbanis that, that function to dedicate the Mishkan and by the base of Mishkan, it's these karbanis and so on. But says the Ramban, but if you look behind the surface, I mean, there, there's, a, there's a theme going on over here, that there are karbanas which are necessary to dedicate these, uh, these temples. And so that's the mitzvah. It's got to be that's a mitzvah. The Ramban, the Ramban brings a little bit of a raya to this from a Gemara Yuma. Now, the Gemara Yuma is not talking about these karbanas per se, but the Gemara says the following thing. The Gemara says, the Gemara is asking a question in Meseches Yuma, the Gemara wants to know that when the Miluyim, when, when the Moshe Rabbeinu was establishing the Mishkan, so not only did he have to dedicate, did he have to sanctify the Mishkan, but at that time, since this was the beginning of Kahuna, he also had to be Makadish, he had to sanctify Aaron HaKayin as the Kayin Gadol, and to sanctify his children as Kahanim. And then that would make, you know, Aaron and all of his children and descendants forever into Kahanim. So there was like a, a kiddush. There had to be a, an act of kedusha that Moshe Rabbeinu did to Aaron and his children. And part of that was that Moshe Rabbeinu dressed Aaron Hakayin in the Big Dekuna and his children in the Big Dekuna. That was part of the process of sanctifying them with Kahuna. So the Gemara and Yuma asked the question: Kate said Hilbishan. How? What was the procedure? What, what was the order of begadim that Moshe Rabbeinu dressed Aaron Hakayin in? What was the order? Which begad came first? So the Gemara says, my Who cares? What's the difference? It happened already. What's the nafkamina to know what was the order of clothing? Says the Gemara, no, there is a nafkamina. Because after Tchiyas HaMesim, Aaron HaKan is going to come back to life. And Moshe Rabbeinu is going to dress him up again. Just as he did the first time, he's going to have to do it again. And therefore, it's relevant to know how he did it the first time, because that's how he's going to do it again. Explains the Ramban, well, why is it that he has to do it again? Says the Ramban, well, because after Tchiyas HaMesim, it's a new body. And although the first body of Aaron was sanctified a long time ago with the Mishkan, but when the new body is, when, when Aaron Ken is given a new body, that new body has to be rededicated and re-sanctified. 
And therefore, the Gemara is saying, well, therefore, it's relevant to know how he did the first time, because that's Mestama, how he's going to do it the second time again. Says the Ramban, what do you see from here? You see from here that the first body of Aaron was sanctified, but now that it's a new body, it needs a new sanctification. Well, says the Ramban, the same thing with the Beis HaMikdash. You had the first body, so to speak, the first structure of Mishkan, and that was sanctified with the inaugural Karbanas, very good. But now that the Mishkan is gone, and now you have a new temple called Beis HaMikdash, that Beis HaMikdash needs a new sanctification. Just as Aaron's new body needs a new sanctification, so the new, the, the new Beis HaMikdash needs a new sanctification. And when the first Beis HaMikdash was destroyed, and now you have a second Beis HaMikdash, it's a new temple, it's a new body, it's a new building, so that needs a new sanctification. V'chul v'chul. So, therefore, says the Ramban, just like you see after Tchies HaMesim, Aaron will need a new Kiddush, a new sanctification. So, Memela, every Beis HaMikdash also will need a new sanctification. That's the, that's the opinion of the Ramban. So, we have an interesting Lechlekes over here, yeah? So, the Ramban, again, the Ramban holds that there's a mitzvah, one of the 613 is the mitzvah of Chanukah HaMeshkan, of there being a, a need, a mitzvah, to dedicate and to sanctify every new temple that's erected. The Mishkan, Beis HaMikdash Rishon, Beis HaMikdash Sheni, and Bez HaShem, the Bayish Lishi. How do you sanctify, sanctify each one? Which Karbanas to bring? That's Taka unique to each one. Each Gzeras HaKasav, Mishkan needs this Karbanas, and every Beis HaMikdash needs different Karbanas. But the concept of bringing Miluyim, that's a forever Dikha Mitzvah that applies to every time you, need, you have a new temple, like a new, uh, just like Aaron's new body, it needs a new Kiddush, it needs a new sanctification. But again, the Rambam was not like that. The Rambam obviously knew Tanakh, right? The Rambam knew that Tak, it's true, that the Bayes Rishon had Miluyim, and the Bayes Sheni had Miluyim, and the Bayes Shlishi is going to have Miluyim, these inaugural Karbanas. But yet, the Rambam holds, those are all Hayrosha. That the, the fact that we brought Karbanas over there, that's a special Gzer uh, Sakasov that does not make Miluyim a forever mitzvah. What's the, what's the Machal, I guess? What's the aside over here? So the site is as follows. I'll explain, I'll explain quickly what the site is, and then we'll, we'll, we'll deepen our understanding of it. But here, here's the idea. The idea of the, of the sheet of the Rambam is, is that, see, the Ramban is looking at each temple in a vacuum, in its own individual little bubble. There's the Mishkan, okay, it came and went. And then there's a new thing called Bayez Rishon, that came, it went. And then there's a new thing called Bayez Sheni, it came, it went. And then Bayez Hashem, there'll be a new thing called Bayez Shlishi. And because the Ramban looks at all these temples as individual things that stand on their own, so Mimela, everything is new, just like Aaron Akayin's new body, and Mimela, it needs a new sanctification. And then, from that perspective, Miluyim is a forever Dikha Mitzvah. But that's not how the Ramam understood it. The Ramam understood it in the following way, that although the structures are changing, there's, there's no question about it, the physical Mishkan is different than the physical Beis HaMikdash, and the physical first Beis HaMikdash is different than the second, V'chulu, but in terms of Kedusha Samigdash, in terms of the, the, the Kedusha, the light, the essence, the Pneumius of what the, the three Bate Migdash are, every single one of the three Bate Migdash is really just seen as an extension of the Mishkan. The Iker Kedusha of, of, of the Rabbana Shalom living in this world is Mishkan. That's where it begins and that's where it ends. Every, and even though the physical structure of Mishkan is gone and it's been replaced with the first base of Mikdash and then the second and then the third, all three Bhatti Mikdash have to be seen as simply new ways how to encapsulate Kedushas HaMishkan. So ultimately, it's Kedushas HaMishkan that's now 
being given new vessels from the first base finish to the second, but ultimately it's all Mishkan. And therefore the inauguration of the Mishkan, that was ultimately the Iker inauguration that would ever need to be. Now, because that sanctified not just that building, that, that brought the Shechin HaKdoisha, that brought Kedusha Samishkan to the world. And Kedusha Samishkan, once it was brought to the world through the inauguration of the Mishkan, that is unchanging. That doesn't need anything else. The fact that there were karbanas brought for the first, second, and third, that, that was a gezer sakas of each, time, each moment in time. It was not a mitzvah. Each moment in time, there was a special uh, nevuah for the time being that Hashem said, bring these karbanas. But it wasn't because the mitzvah of miluyim is a forever mitzvah. The mitzvah of miluyim, which is to, sanct- to bring to the world Kedushas HaMishkan, that is, that is the only thing necessary. And once you have that in place, Every base HaMikdash is just siphoning off or, or, or trying to draw back to the world Kedushas HaMishkan. It's all, it's all because of that. And therefore the inauguration of the first, second, and third is not considered to be on par with the inauguration of the Mishkan. Uh, the, the, the Iker Mitzvah of Miluyim that ever took place was Mishkan and that was a one-time deal and that works forever and that, that's, not, that's not an ongoing Mitzvah. That was, it took place then and that's all we'll ever need. Yes, it's true. By the first, second, and third, for those moments, bring these karbanas. But they're not functioning as miluyim. They're not functioning as dedicating the Beis HaMikdash. The Kedushas HaMikdash is already there because of the Mishkan. So this is an interesting machlekes between the Rambam and the Ramban. So again, in the Ramban, he sees each one of these temples as independent, as separate things that exist on their own. But the Rambam is coming from a different place. The Rambam sees the Beis HaMikdash as really just an extension and a repackaging of Mishkan. Okay, so the question is, how do we understand this in a deeper level? What is this telling us in the Ramban, in the Rambam Shita? The Ramban is pretty simple. Again, each temple is its own thing, so each one needs its own sanctification. Finished. The Rambam, now we have this new understanding of what Mishkan is, based on Mikdash, so let's understand that in a deeper level. All right, so it's like this. When we, when we talk about Mishkan versus the Beis Mikdash. So in the Sfarim we're told like this, the Mishkan is always connected with Maishar Rabbeinu. The Mishkan is Maishar Rabbeinu. The Mishkan was built by Maishar Rabbeinu. In Parshish Bekuti it says that Maishar Rabbeinu was told by Hashem, he's the one that's responsible to erect the Mishkan. He erects the Mishkan. It's a Maishar Rabbeinu to Ke'inyan. Maishar Rabbeinu is allowed to go into the Kaddish HaKadshim anytime he wants to talk to Hashem. The Mishkan is Kedushas Maisha. That's what the Mishkan is. Who Maishar Rabbeinu was in person, the Mishkan is in place. That's what the Mishkan is. Whereas the base, the three Batei Mikdash, the number three is significant, right? We say Pesach night, who knows three? The three always means the three others. And Chazal say this, that whereas the Mishkan is connected to Maishar Rabbeinu, the Batei Mikdash are connected to the three others, Avram, Yitzchak, and Yaakov. And uh, the Ramban talks about this in great detail in, in Parshish Toldos, for example, by the wells of Yitzchak. That the, there's a connection between the three others and the Batei Megdash. Now, understanding that, we have now a, a little bit of a different way to describe the sheet of the Rambam. Just as the Rambam said that the function of the three Batei Megdash is in order to repackage or repurpose or to give us a way to reconnect to Mishkan, what we can now say, is, it might be sound a little bit strange, what we can say is as follows, that the essential function of the Ovis Hashem besides obviously being physically our ancestors, in Kedusha, in Pneumius, what the others do 
is give us the capability of reconnecting, of connecting to Moshe Rabbeinu. Of connecting to Moshe Rabbeinu. That's what the Ovis Hakdashim are. So the Ovis just as the, uh, connect us to Moshe, and the Bati Mikdash connect us to the Mishkan. So what does that mean exactly? So it's like this. Which, which, so it's like this. Let me, let me, let me, let me share with you an idea that we find in the, in the writings of the Maharal. Yeah, we mentioned in the beginning that when the Mishkan was built in Parashat Vakudeh, so the Mishkan, there's a sum total. Every part of the Mishkan is put together. So what does that mean? Why is the Mishkan, why does the Mishkan have to be described with a sum total? The Sachak of the Mishkan is this amount of gold, this amount of silver. So it's like this, you know, there's a famous line in, in Chazal, we're familiar with this, Chazal say it's the beginning of Mesil Sisharm that Olam Haza, this world is Daimala Prizdar, that this world is compared to like a hallway that's leading to a much greater a much greater Hechal, uh, a much greater uh, uh, ballroom, right? And this world is a Prizdar to Olam Haba. So this world is like a hallway, and Olam Haba is like the great ballroom that we're all leading to. See, the Mishkan represents, the Mishkan, which is Kedushas Maisha Aveinu, represents Olam Haba. What's Olam Haba? I have no idea, <laughs> right? Olam well, Haba means Nitzchias. Olam Haba means forever. Olam Haba means absolute perfection. See, there's a principle in the Maral that perfection equals forever. Perfection equals infinite. See, when you have something that it has a beginning, if it has a beginning, it means it has an end. If it has a beginning, it means it wasn't always there. If it wasn't always there, it means it doesn't really have to be. It means it's automatically not perfect. So when something is finite, when something has a beginning and therefore has an end, it means it's imperfect. Something that's perfect, on the other hand, perfect means infinite. Perfect means infinite. Oilam Mahaba, what does the Rabbana Shalom want us to experience? What does the Rabbana Shalom want us, what does he want to give us with Oilam Mahaba? What the Rabbana Shalom wants us to give us in Oilam Mahaba is absolute perfection, which is infinity. The Rabbana Shalom wants to give us the experience of Ein Saif, that which is Mamish infinite. He wants to give us himself. The Rabbana Shalom is perfect. And the Rabbana Shalom is infinite. The Rabbana Shalom is Beli Reishis, Beli Sacharis, without beginning, without end. That's what the Rabbana Shalom wants us to experience. That's what Oilam Mahaba is. This is reflected in the Mishkan, in the perfection of the Mishkan. You see, the fact that we are, we are giving a sum total to the ingredients of the Mishkan, to the, to the materials of the Mishkan, means that the Mishkan represents absolute perfection. There's not one little shekel, there's not one little piece of gold that was left out, that was unnecessary, that was extra. Everything was used. When, some, when, it's, when everything is used, there's an absolute sense of wholeness and perfection, and because of that, it's, it's, it's forever. It's forever. Therefore, Chazal already say that the Mishkan that was built by Moshe Rabbeinu was never destroyed. It was hidden. It's not accessible to us anymore, but it was never destroyed. Whatever Moshe Rabbeinu creates, whatever Moshe Rabbeinu brings to us, is automatically forever and cannot be changed. It's absolutely perfect. Torah's Moshe, right? The Chumash of Moshe Rabbeinu, you can't add to it. You can have other Nevi'im and so on, but it cannot be considered to be in addition to Taras Moshe. Whatever mitzvahs Moshe Rabbeinu gives us are unchanging. There's a certain absolute perfection, and because of that, an absolute infinity and a foreverness, a nitzchius to Taras Moshe. That's what Moshe Rabbeinu is. And therefore, because of this, now here, here's the paradox. 
So the Rabbanu Shalom wants to give us forever. The Rabbanu Shalom wants to give us Olam Haba. Hashem wants to give us absolute perfection. Hashem wants to give us a Mishkan experience where everything is mamish perfect, where I can no longer say this is the first shekel and this is the last shekel. It's just one big sum total. And because it's one big sum total, in mamish represents perfection, perfection, shleimus, eternity, ain't soif, is gewaldic. But here's the problem. The problem is the Rabbanu Shalom created the human being as imperfect creatures. We are so imperfect and we are so finite that the very concept of perfection and the very concept of infinite has no meaning to us. It's completely outside of our range of understanding. We don't have a shaykhist to Moshe Rabbeinu. Even Moshe Rabbeinu in his generation was misunderstood. The people, the Jewish people mourned Aaron longer than they mourned Moshe. Because Moshe Rabbeinu was beyond their hasaga. The Mishkan is, is unapproachable. The Mishkan is so perfect. We, we are so imperfect that the very concept of perfection is beyond our scope. We can imagine ourselves maybe a little bit better, but perfect? Even, even growing in Yiddishkeit, even getting a little bit better sometimes scares us off, right? People, we get so used to our own imperfection that very often we're frightened from the very idea of becoming more perfect. That's how imperfect we are. Imperfection is mamish ingrained within us. So you, you read that Chazal, yeah, this world is compared to a hallway leading to Olam Haba, and the question that you automatically think of, whether you admit it to yourself or not, is uh, that, that, that I, I have no idea what Olam Haba is. Like, I have no idea what that concept is of forever. I have no idea what that concept is of perfect. So you're telling me that I'm living in this imperfect world, this world of craziness, all leading to Olam Haba. I have no idea what Olam Haba is. There's this huge chasm between me and the Mishkan. This is why the Mishkan at the end of Parshish Bakude is described as a place that even Moshe can't go into. The inaccessibility of the Mishkan is describing its greatness. The greatness of Mishkan is its perfection. And the fact that it's inaccessible to the human being, even the greatest human being of all, of all time, is, is reflective of this basic issue, is that the Rabbanu wants to give us Mishkan. He wants to give us absolute perfection, but he created us as so imperfect creatures that the very idea of perfection not only is something we can't grasp, it actually is intimidating, and it scares us off. So, so how do we connect to Meish Rabbeinu? So for this, the Rabbanu created the Beis HaMikdash. And this is the Chiddush of Beis HaMikdash, and this is the Chiddush of the Avasaktash. You see, what, the, the, when you give a person the title of Av or Aim, father and mother, the Vilna Gain, in the base Medrash of the Gra, this is discussed a lot, that the, what's interesting about the title of Av and Aim is that that, enti- that title, parent, father, mother, is not a description of the person. The job of a parent, the title of, of father or mother is, their job is to raise their child from, from being a child to become an adult. That's what a parent does, right? That's your responsibility as a parent, to raise your child up. But here's the trick, there, here's the chachma of being a good parent. The chachma of being a good parent is, is to realize like this, I have my objective. My objective is my kid is very imperfect, right? Even within the, even within the, the range of human beings, children are very imperfect. They're, child, they're childish, they, their intellect is underdeveloped, they're emotionally, they're, they're, they're children. They're children, they're very imperfect in terms of what a human being can be. And the parent's job is what? 
is to raise the child up to be as perfect as possible, right? To bring the child from being an adult, a child to an adult. But here's the Chachma of being a parent. The Chachma of parenthood is to be able to find ways to raise the child up while through the childish behaviors of the child. The parent's goal is not to just paint this uh, picture of perfection and put it on the wall and say, okay, kid, become the Chavetz Chaim. Like, th- 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 there's a chasm, there's a huge gap between who the kid is and the Chavetz Chaim. And so just giving the poster on the wall, here's the Chavetz Chaim, be that one day, that's not a good parent. What the parent does is figure out ways, yes, my goal is to get my kid to be the Chavetz Chaim, or, you know, uh, you know his, his version of Chavetz Chaim, whatever, whatever the kid's capable of. But the point is, the parent has that goal, okay, I want to get my kid to be like uh, the person on the wall. But my, my, the way to do that is to find ways within the narishkeit of my kid to figure out how to, how to give him the tools to become more perfect in his imperfection, through his imperfection. So, Lamashal, you have kids that are playing childish games, right? Childish games. They're playing hide-and-go-seek. They're playing cops and robbers, whatever. You know, uh, I'm probably dating myself at this point. Kids, kids uh, probably don't play that anymore. Whatever it is, they're playing childish games. And the parent, his, his, his or her responsibility is to get the kid to become an adult at some point. But the parent, the good parent, doesn't stop the kid from playing. What the good parent does is allow the kid to play, but somehow, slowly but surely, in a very unassuming way, injects meaning and growth and depth into that game. Each parent in his own way, each parent in his own way, to teach lessons of uh, how to treat other kids while you're playing. All the things, all the skills that the kid needs as an adult is learned as a child in a childish way. And then, unbeknown to the kid, the kid is actually growing as a person. So the kids are, 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 are playing cops and robbers. They're, they're, they're you know, running around or so, and so on and so forth. And part of the game, the parent is uh, you know, watching the whole thing and, and guiding the whole thing, making sure everyone's sharing properly. And whether the kid realizes it or not, the parent is inculcating in the kid's skills that are going to be necessary for him to become a, a, a healthy, well-adjusted adult. And his ability to sort of empathize with other people and to... Uh, make appropriate even business deals to be able to negotiate properly while understanding the other side's approach and not being hard-nosed about uh, one side. Everything that's necessary to be a healthy, well-adjusted adult in this world are, is being cultivated on a childish level. And that's exactly what the, parent, the parent's job is, to raise the child to shlemus, to whatever is 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 possible for that particular kid, but the way to allow the kid to develop shlemas is through the imperfect activities of the child, to somehow convert the imperfect experiences and imperfect activities of the child, and to show how those imperfect games, imperfect experiences, imperfect interactions contain within them the seeds of perfection. That's what a parent does. The nimshal of that is that that's what the Beis HaMikdash is. What the Beis HaMikdash is, is not a particular building. It's not a building. The Kedushas Beis HaMikdash, the Meichen, the concept, the construct, the Kedusha Beis HaMikdash is, whereas until now, when you had Mishkan, so you had this concept, this vision of Nitzchis, of eternity, of perfection, of Shlemus, of Olam Haba, 
But the problem is that Olam Hab is some foreign place. It's some place that you have to use a rocket ship to get to. And after 120, you'll get there. But it has no relatability to your world right now. If anything, it's scary, it's intimidating. The Chiddush of Beis HaMikdash is the revelation that what? That that eternity, that is that perfection, that Shlemus, that the Mishkan is, 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 is revealing to us, is found in our imperfect world. Whereas the Mishkan is a structure which, doesn't, which is not anchored in this world, it's not permanent. The Beis HaMikdash is permanent, right? The Beis HaMikdash was built in Harabais in a permanent way. It's called Menucha V'Nachla. Because what the Beis HaMikdash does is that it takes Kedushas HaMishkan, that concept of Shlemus, and shows and tells you that Shlemus is experienced in your imperfect world. When you do a mitzvah, as imperfect as it might be, that's called perfection. When you're holding Lov and Esrik in your hands, you're not holding just a physical object and hoping God, you know, God, God willing one day I'll somehow experience Shlemus. No, no, no. This is perfection. Shlemus is, you're, you're holding eternity in your hands. That's what a mitzvah is. Yiddishkeit, life is redefined by Beis HaMikdash. What the Beis HaMikdash does is that it reveals to us that the prized or the hallway that we're in, leading to that great chamber that's called Olam Haba, are one and the same. They're one and the same. The proizder itself, this world, the temporal, imperfect, finite, broken, miserable world, is itself the place of Olam Haba, is itself the place of Nitzchis. It's just a matter of realizing that what you have in your hand, which is a pair of tefillin, what you have in your hand, which is a quarter for tzedakah, what you have in your hand, which is a gemara, a chomesh, a parak tehillim, the opportunity to say a good word to another Jew, to mechazek another Jew, that's called eternity. Olam Haba is not some place that you have to go to. Olam Haba is right now. Olam Haba is the world that we're living in. We just don't see it. We see it as a proizdar. We don't see it as, as, the, as, the, as the heichel, as the, the ballroom that it's leading to. But the, the ballroom is the hallway. That's what the Beis HaMikdash does. The Beis HaMikdash gives us the ability to, ex- to connect ourselves to the Mishkan. It turns the Mishkan into something accessible. That's what the Beis HaMikdash does. Just like the Avis, right? Just like a parent. What, is it, what does an Av do? An Av raises the child to become a gadol without forfeiting his katnus. That's what, a fa- that's what a parent does. That through the katnus of the child, the child is able to find godless. That's what a parent does. That's what the Beis HaMikdash is. And again, this is revealed to us in the sheet of the Rambam. That what? That it's Dafka the Batei Mikdash that are giving us the capabilities of connecting to Mishkan. But Kedusha Mishkan is the beginning and the end of Kedusha. The Beis HaMikdash are ways, are vehicles for us to connect to Mishkan and for us to redefine the world that we live in. Therefore, the Beis HaMikdash is much more than a structure. The Beis HaMikdash is a reorientation of what life is. There are two types of Jews. There's a Jew that's a Beis HaMikdash Dikiyid, and there's a Jew that's a not Beis HaMikdash Dikiyid. A not Beis HaMikdash Dikiyid is a Jew that thinks, knows about Olam Haba, knows about the Mishkan, knows about Moshe Rabbeinu, but feels and, and it completely unre- unrelated and, in, and incompatible with that reality. This world is a proizder. The next world, some other place, is called Olam Haba. And right now, I'm just trying to navigate through the proizder and hopefully I'll you know, earn my ticket to get into Olam Haba. And to such a Jew, that's not where Yer Hashem, ultimately deep Yer Hashem comes from. That's not where Havaz Hashem comes from. That's not where Simcha Sachaim comes from. 
is someone who lives in this world while knowing and believing and sensing that in the imperfection of Olam Hazah is contained perfection. And that's a Jew that deeply wants the Beis HaMikdash to be rebuilt because since he knows that this world is Olam Haba in disguise, so he's only, his desire to unmask the reality that is this world is, 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 is strong. He wants to, because it, no one wants to live, uh, to live a lie. No one wants to, no one wants to, uh, you know, uh, live in such a in such a way where right behind this curtain is everything you would ever want, but you can't pull back the curtain. But a, a Jew that uh, that is a base hamikdash dekiyid wants the base hamikdash to be rebuilt desperately, in order that this truth should become apparent. That everyone should be able to experience the imperfection of this world for what it really is, which is perfect. To experience every mitzvah as finite, as specific, as measured, as, as, as uh, you know, as imperfect as a mitzvah might be, but to experience the infinity and the eternity and the perfection behind the scenes, a beis desperately wants to experience that on all levels, and wants the whole Jewish people to experience that, and wants the whole world to experience that. But that's what beis is. That's what beis does. This is the connection, as we started in the beginning, this is the connection between the end of the Parshas Pekudeh, the end of Sefer Shemais, and the beginning of Sefer Shemais. Again, the end of Sefer Shemais introduces us to the idea of Mishkan. And what's Mishkan? Olam Haba, Nitzchis, Eternity. But the problem is, it's unrelatable. You cannot enter such a place. You don't even know what that place is. You're so imperfect. To compl- Therefore, to give us a way in, we go back to the beginning of Sefer Shemais. Eila Shemais B'nei Yisrael, Habayim Mitzrayma. And the Pasuk describes these are the Jewish people that are descending into Egypt. The word Mitzrayim, as we know, comes from the word Meitzar, which means constriction. Whereas the Mishkan is infinite and perfect, Mitzrayim is finite and imperfect. But that's the point of how the beginnings and ends of Sefer Shemais are bound to each other. You want to know where, how to enter the Mishkan? You enter the Mishkan by descending into imperfection. Because the world that you're living in is the same place as Olam Haba. It's the same place as Mishkan. The, what you're holding in your hands, which is an imperfect mitzvah, that's Nitzchis, that's eternity. You want to enter into the Mishkan. You enter into the Mishkan the same way you go to Mitzrayim. It's the same place. It's the same place. And just, it's a matter of realizing that what? That the Mitzarim, the constrictions of this world, the imperfections of this world, is itself perfection behind the scenes. The way to realize that is through Beis HaMikdash. The Beis HaMikdash, the Kedushas Beis HaMikdash, is what bridges these gaps, is what redefines Mitzrayim to us as, as Mishkan itself. And so that's what the Beis HaMikdash is about. This is why in the beginning of Parshas Pekudeh, Davka, when we're taking an accounting of the Mishkan and bringing to the forefront the perfection and the eternity of the Mishkan and how profound and how amazing it is, that's Davka when we have to mention the Beis HaMikdash, but not just Stam Beis HaMikdash. That's when you have to mention the Beis HaMikdash even when it's destroyed. You see, because in the world of the Ramban that, that defines the Beis HaMikdash simply by its superficial structure, then once the Beis HaMikdash is destroyed, then the Mishkan goes back to become something that's unrelatable. But once you are able to define the Beis HaMikdash in a much deeper way, that the Beis HaMikdash is a, is a construct, it's a Kedusha, that redefines reality itself, then that doesn't go away just because there was a Churban Beis HaMikdash. It doesn't go away. The Beis HaMikdash, re, its redefinition of Mitzrayim does not end because it was taken away. 
And therefore, Dafka the Beis Hamikdash is being the the the, the, the Beis in its destructed state, in its churban, is being hinted to with the word Mishkan, and the word Mishkan is 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 connecting to that that state of the Beis Hamikdash being destroyed because it's connected with the word Mashkan, right? Taking a uh, taking a collateral from someone, making sure they don't leave, making sure they don't go away, creating a bond, ensuring that there is a connection that remains intact between the lender and the borrower. And that's what the Beis HaMikdash is. The Beis HaMikdash is making sure that there's a connection remaining between us and Mishkan. And when that connection is, is real, then it remains even after the structure is destroyed. The Rambam, again, the Rambam defines Beis HaMikdash much deeper than just the structure. The structure of Beis HaMikdash 1, 2, and 3 are different. And he agrees to the Rambam that the structures are different. But the Kedushas Beis HaMikdash never changed. And never went away. It's the same kedusha of the Mishkan, just in a way that's more relatable, where our eyes are being opened to be able to experience Mishkan in all things. That's what the Beis Hamikdash means. Of all Yom Taivim that bring out this nakuda of what of that an imperfect world is exactly where perfection can be found. That's exactly what Perm is. That's exactly what Perm is. The whole Indian of Perm is what is that eternity is found in this crazy place. So of all yantivim, as we know, the one yantif which is described as a yantif of eternity is perm. Layasif mitaychzar. Perm never ends. Perm is forever. Perm even wants to expand beyond its day. Right? There's such a thing as like you know the perm, Megillah can be read already from Yud Aleph by certain places. There's Shushan perm. We need a special pasuk in Megillah Sester to say lo yaver that yeah, that perm has to have an end. You can't you can't have perm uh, beyond the fifteenth day of uh, of uh, of what you call beyond the fifteenth day of Adar. We don't have such a thing by other Yom Taivim. The Pasuk doesn't have to say, be careful, don't have Pesach after Pesach. The Pasuk doesn't have to tell us, be careful, don't have Sukkot after Sukkot. But Megillah Sester has to tell us, be careful, don't have Perm after Perm. Why would there be a thought to have Perm after Perm? The answer is because the whole Eden of Perm is forever. The whole Eden of Perm is no beginning, no end. The whole Eden of Perm is, is Ein Saif, is infinite. So of course Perm wants to expand. Perm doesn't want to recognize a beginning and an end. No. So the Pasuk has to say, listen, we're not holding, uh, we, our eyes are still a little bit blind right now, so Perm is only two days a year, you know? But the whole thing of Perm is foreverness. But what's amazing is, is that the one Yontif, which is so forever, and so perfect in that sense, because again, like you said for the morale, forever equals perfection. No beginning, no end. Always has to be, always is. That's perfect. The one Yontif, though, that's, that, that embraces imperfection is Perm. Right? It's all about eating, drinking, getting drunk, no das. The suit of Achishverish, which was the Avera, is itself the source of its own salvation. It's all about imperfection. Everything's imperfect. And yet it's perfect. That's the secret of Purim. The secret of Purim is that Oilam Haba is the Prizdar. There's no other place that you have to go to. The experiences that you have in this imperfect world is perfection behind the scenes. When you do a mitzvah, that's, uh, that, that itself is experiencing nitzchi. It's, it's experiencing eternity. You don't have to wait to die to then realize that. that that's what you're holding on to the, at the moment. Schar mitzvah mitzvah. That's what Purim is. So because of that, the one yontif that's therefore going to be shining with the consciousness of Beis HaMikdash, even without the, te- the structure itself, is going to be Purim. Because of this, Dafka Megil, Meseches Megil, the Yontif of Purim, allows us to appreciate what a Beis HaKnesis and what a Beis HaMedrash is. What's a Beis HaKnesis and a Beis HaMedrash? A Mikdash Ma'at, a piece of Beis HaMikdash. If Beis HaMikdash is seen purely from a superficial standpoint, from Chitzanias, in terms of the structure, then the structure is destroyed, the structure is destroyed. What does is, what is a Beis HaMedrash in Flapush have anything to do with the Beis HaMikdash and the Harabais? 
what is a what is a Beis in, in Lawrence have anything to do with the Beis Hamidrash and the Harabais? But once we understand the Mikdash and Mishkan and their relationship from the perspective of the Rambam, right? That what that the Beis Hamidrash is not just a structure. The Beis Hamidrash is a new way of looking at reality, and that new way of looking at reality gives us a connection and a relatability to Mishkan, to the Kedusha of foreverness, then that new function, that new perspective, that new way of viewing reality, of experiencing reality, which is the Pneumius of Beis HaMikdash, that's something that could live beyond the structure. That's something that can live beyond the destruction of Beis HaMikdash. That's something that can be experienced even in Golas, Davka in Golas. So therefore, Davka, the Indian of having a shul, which is considered to be still a Beis HaMikdash Dike Indian, is only possible if you are able to appreciate what the base of Mikdash is beyond the structure. And that's what and what is the base of Mikdash beyond the structure? This Indian of perfection within imperfection. And that's what Purim is. So the whole Indian of Purim is Kedusha's base of Mikdash and Panemius. It's the only of Purim. So of course, therefore, Purim is going to be able to give us the lens to appreciate the concept of having a Mikdash Ma'at. So the whole Indian of Purim is base of Mikdash. But a Panemistic base of Mikdash, a base of Mikdash Moichen, a base of Mikdash way of living without being dependent on the structure itself. And that opens the gate to have shuls and to have Batei Medrash throughout the whole world. And when you walk into it, it's a shtickle Beis HaMikdash. Well, that, that's only possible if you're able to move beyond seeing the Beis HaMikdash in a very, you know, in a chitzonius, which is dependent on that particular address, that particular location of Harabayis, v'chulu v'chulu. And so this is also the meaning of why Purim is a gula, which is when you quote something in the name of someone else, creating a bond between you and the origin point. That's what the Beis HaMikdash is. The Beis HaMikdash is a, is, is a way to connect you to the Mishkan, a way to connect you in your imperfect world to perfection, and to realize that, that those are two one and the same things. And that's exactly what it means to say something in the name of someone else, that you are creating a bond between between, between the statement that you're saying right now and the original, the original author of that statement. You are functioning as a bridge linking those two places. That's exactly what Purim is. That's exactly what the Beis HaMikdash is. So of course Purim is going to be a Yantif, which is all about Aymer Dabar B'Shem Amrei is Mevigul Ailam. This is also why, just, I mean, we'll just end off with this, but this is also why it's Dafka the Rambam, and the Ramban, Lashitasa, and we know that, I mentioned this many times, that the, 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 the tzaddikim have revealed to us that the Sharish of the Nisham of the Rambam is connected to Mashiach ben David. Mashiach ben David. That's what the Rambam, as I, as I mentioned many times, the Rambam gathers together all the halachas of Tarsh Pen to one place, just like Mashiach ben David will ingather all the Jews to Eretz Yisrael. So the Rambam is the Bechina of Mashiach ben David, whereas the Ramban is the Bechina of Mashiach ben Yosef, uh, the way the Rambam, the way the Arizal puts it, again, I'm not, I'm not going to be able to explain this right now, but the, Ram, the way the Arizal puts it is that the Rambam is the right payah, and the Ramban is a left payah of payas. So the Rambam is Meshech ben David, and the Ramban is Meshech ben Yosef. The world of Meshech ben Yosef is a world that, it, that recognizes Golas. It recognizes a reality of not having Beis HaMikdash. It recognizes, it sees the Beis HaMikdash as a structure which can be destroyed and then you don't have Beis HaMikdash. Therefore the Ramban, which is coming from Meshech ben Yosef, also views the Beis HaMikdash from a structural standpoint and because of that, every Beis HaMikdash is on its own and when it's destroyed, it's completely gone. And when it's rebuilt, it's something completely new. 
And therefore, Lishitasai, Miluyim, is an ongoing mitzvah that needs to be done every time a new temple is erected. But the Rambam, which is the world of Mashiach ben David, that Mashiach ben David doesn't recognize Golas. Or Mashiach ben David is connected to Beis HaMikdash in such a panemistic way that what the Beis HaMikdash means is something that can be experienced in Golas. The Beis HaMikdash is beyond the structure. The Beis HaMikdash is a reorientation of life itself. The Beis HaMikdash is is a way of viewing and experiencing this flawed world as a perfect world. That's, that is what Beis HaMikdash means, according to Mashiach ben David, and that's something that doesn't depend purely on a structure. You could still have a, of, of a, a Beis HaMikdash meichen without the structure of the Beis HaMikdash. And again, not to take away, that doesn't take away from your desire for the Beis HaMikdash to be rebuilt. Because Adarabah, now that you know what the Beis HaMikdash is, now you want to experience that viscerally, and you want to experience that in all levels, and you want all the world to experience that. But ultimately, the Mashiach ben, y- ben David type is able to, ex- to connect oneself to Beis HaMikdash, even in Galas. And therefore, the Rambam Lishitasai, based on his root in Mashiach ben David, so doesn't see the Beis HaMikdash mitzad its structure. He sees the Beis HaMikdash mitzad its kedushim, mitzad its light, as an extension of Mishkan, which is something that can live on beyond the structure. And so this is the Rambam and the Rambam Lashitasam based on the Sharsh and Hashem of who they are, where they're coming from. Halach so this is the Yant of Apurim, is to celebrate imperfection, to realize that the imperfect life that we live, whatever we can do to improve our lives on every level, but the imperfect lives that we live, Shlemus is there, Nitzchis, that's where Nitzchis is. It's just a matter of appreciating it. That's where Simcha comes from, that's where Chies comes from. That's where the Mishnah of Simcha Purim comes from. Adla Yada ben Mordechai. Arahman means imperfect. Mordechai means perfect. Adla Yada. Because the Mishkan is now accessible to us through the Beis HaMikdash. We now enter into Maisha Rabbeinu's universe through the Avos HaKadoshim. And that's what, uh, that's what Purim is. Baruch Hashem to connect to Beis HaMikdash right now, to be able to be besimcha, to be behava, beachva, beachtos, and to, and to feel and to believe that there's shleimus behind this imperfect world. And the more we connect to that, the more Adara, the more we'll want that ultimate Shlemus that's beneath the surface to make itself known in a real palpable way on all levels for us and for the entire universe. The Biyaskal Tzadig Mherav Yimeinu Amen.